Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Believe. B-L-E-A-V in line right here on the Believe Podcast Network. That's Detroit's number one sports podcasting network. And this is the show where we believe in the Detroit Lions. And by the end of it, so will you. (laughs) I'm your host, Jack Cavanaugh at Javanaugh87. And unfortunately, Derek Oakery has decided to focus on some other projects like the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. And so he's turned things over to me. Some big shoes to fill, but I will do my best to make Detroit proud. And thankfully I have some help from a man with some large cleats himself, the mayor of the Detroit lions, Mr. Jerry ball. Hey Jack, I appreciate it. And again, you know, we want to thank Derek for all the help and the support and we look forward to making him proud. And guess what? He put it in the right man's hand. I I sure hope so. I sure appreciate that. And I know I'm going to be leaning on you pretty heavily here, but I've also been leaning pretty heavily on betonline.ag, been placing all sorts of wagers up there. Have you been using the site, Jerry? Yep, yep. I mean, I've been looking at doing some college stuff and stuff, but hey, great platform to do all your betting, you know, college, pro sports and stuff. You guys check it out. It's a great line. It really is. And so we'll hear a word from them and be right back after this. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one for all the pro and college football season action. With a new updated site and inter- interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Betonline.ag, where the game starts. And with that, we are back with some Lions talk. And it was an interesting game, to say the least. It was probably not what we really hoped it for. The Detroit Lions fall to the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. And probably didn't sit too well with you. The Lions run defense really struggled. That first drive, Bears yeah. run for 45 and a TD on just eight carries. Like, that can't happen on the first drive, can it, Jerry? Well, you know, you don't want to start off with the run getting established. I mean, when you start establishing run early in the game like that, it really gives you uh, chances of really winning the game because it actually starts the momentum. And then at the same time, you know, it is a home field 
type deal, you know. So any success early just adds to the crowd also getting involved. And it kind of just continued through the first, like after that first drive, it just never let up. David Montgomery ends up with 23 carries, 106 yards, two rushing TDs, ends up with a knee sprain. But even when he goes out, Damian Williams carries a load too. Eight for 55 and a rushing touchdown. 6.9 yards a carry. You can't be giving that up. That's a lot. I tell you, you know, that's a lot. And and if the guy Montgomery stays in the game, he was probably on pace to get 200 himself. But I tell you, they're really going to have to slow that down. You can't give up that type of average per rush. Not and be not and not win. Yeah, it uh, was not pretty, and hopefully we see some changes coming forward with uh, that big nose tackle, Aleem McNeil. We got to get your thoughts on him. How's how do we see him kind of stacking up as a future piece on this defensive line? Well, I, I think you know Aaron, uh, uh, Coach Glenn, definitely has you know a guy that has a lot of potential. Now, how they use him and how they actually call around him based on, you know, whether or not it's just a straight, you know, four-man front versus having him in that tilt and playing the nose it will dictate really how well he does. But he should be, you know, a pretty solid player. But like with anything else, you got to play the game. Yeah, and with more time, like that, when you're a like 22 year old man going up against 30 year old NFL veterans, I'm sure that's not an easy transition on the defensive line either. No, well, I'll tell you what, the one thing about it, you're talking about a guy that's seasoned in the game, so he's not going to make many mistakes. And when you're younger, you have a lot more energy than you have what we would say football smarts. Now, I'm not saying that a, a younger player can't have it. It's just that after you've been in the game 18 years, you kind of seen quite a bit, whereas you probably going to be the, the sage of the team or someone that's sharing with the younger players. So I think as he gets older, you know, he'll pick up the pro game because there is a difference between the pro game and the collegiate game. You, you know, the collegiate game is definitely competitive, real spirited, but at the pro level, it's a faster game and it's less mistakes. And you also are playing against the very best in the world that actually does this. Yeah, it's the, that quote we've heard a couple times lately. You know, one from Urban Meyer, we won't get into him, but it's like facing Alabama every week. Like, it's just, it does. Yeah, it, the best of the best. And so what wasn't the best of the best was that Lions first drive where that snap just rifled. Uh rifled right into Jared Goss knees goes to make a check at the line bounces over the O-line and right into the Bears hands I've never seen anything like that that was that was upsetting well you know again you know that's one of those things where you know you you in you know hostile territory so when you're coming up to the line of scrimmage typically the the home team's crowd will create enough noise where it makes it harder to hear your quarterback, especially when he's not under the center. And that's one of the things that creates, I guess you would say, uh, deficiencies 
in the offenses is when they are in one of those stadiums where the crowd will make it very hard for the linemen to hear as well as the receivers. Now, when he was coming up to the line and he had stepped from from the alignment of the center, normally centers are looking between their legs or to their side to make sure that he's back there, especially when the snap is being held. So he had already held off the cadence. So when he was walking in and talking to the guy that couldn't hear to his to his right, you know, the center should have already seen that he wasn't lined up behind him and paid attention to how just things was moving in the peripheral. It's just kind of how that, like you keep saying, that hostile environment, it starts to play tricks on you. And I'm sure you, you've you got had some experience with that over in Soldier Field, not just playing with the Lions, but with the Vikings too. You still had to go there once a year. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, you know, Chicago is definitely a hostile crowd and stuff. You know, when the stadium was redone and stuff, it actually made it a little easier. But the old Soldier Field, going in and out of that one, oh, you definitely had to deal with the fans. That's a fact. <laughs> and I'm sure they weren't fans of you. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You might get hit with a, a C battery or, or a D-sized battery. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Good thing you have the helmet on. I'm sure, is that, that's got to be one of those stadiums. You keep the helmet on that entire game. Then. Definitely. 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 Oh, the way that you enter, you're in under the bleachers. So the locker room was right under the bleachers. It's an old stadium, so it's built that way. So you had to leave out of there and then walk out so they they can see you. Playing you know? a dangerous game. <laughs> hey, it, it, it's football. It's all in the game, baby. <laughs> it really is. And part of the game, Quintez Cephas on that second drive, big catch. He looked pretty good. And then they come up on uh, short on fourth and one. But I, I don't mind that. You know, if you come up short on fourth and one, it's one of those plays you have like a better than 50% chance of making it in that short of a situation. Like I'm always a fan of going for it, even if it doesn't work out. What are your thoughts on the fourth and short debate? Well, I, I think that the fourth and one early in the game, you know, that's probably the, the less damage that you can do in that scenario to your team situation. However, you know, going forth and one, you know, if they succeed, it becomes a momentum shift and it quiets the, cr the crowd. So in that aspect of it, yeah, you hope for the best. But when you're also in that red zone or in scoring position with a field goal, you know, you really want to always try to put points on the board as a priority of what the task is. You know, now I do believe that the aggressiveness, you know, is one that could help, could have helped build the team and took a little sting out of it. But Again, I would have, you know, probably went for the field goal itself. Yeah, and, and because of that, they come away with no points on their first two drives. And then on their third drive was really upsetting, really frustrating. That's the one where Khalil Mack, he smacks Goff in the head. They get the first down from that, but it, it's Khalil Mack. He's not going to make a mistake and then get beat again. Robert Quinn beats Panay Sewell for the sack and Khalil Mack comes up way with the recovery and just another Lions red zone drive killed there. Yeah. Well, you know, having three drives to stall out and stuff that, you know, it, you start looking at where your adjustments need to be and, and trying to make them on the sideline in, in the midstream aspects of the game is probably one of the biggest challenges and stuff. And then, you know, again, 
any one of those drives that they get points could change the energy, can change the momentum. So being stalled three times, yeah, that was a downer for them. Yeah, and that, that was one of the questions I had for you. Like, so we'll go final drive ends up coming after batted pass line of scrimmage. I'm sure that's uh, what some, something you love to see that those defensive linemen getting those hands up in there, making plays for the defensive backs and let them come away with the easy interception. Yeah, well, you know, a, a lot of, you know, a lot of fans don't really understand the strategy of defensive line play that is all not mm. just, you know, a lot of times in the strategy of the rush, they have what's called rush lanes. But those rush lanes are also passing lanes. So when a quarterback has an opportunity to look down the field and he can look through the linemen through the gaps, then that gives him a free view of the field. So you will have a strategy with a defensive lineman where they'll tell you to stay in front of the man so that you could block the passing lane. Even though you're not sacking him, you're making him hold the ball because of what's in front of him. He can't see directly down the field. So in that, you know, I would say anytime that you can get your hands up or impede his vision is always to your advantage on defense. Yeah, and it, like there, there's been times where it, like it's like you said, a lot of people don't understand defensive line play. Like you hear commentators complain that JJ Watt's swatting the ball too many times because he's not getting sacks, and it's like, ah, uh, that that's not. Uh... It, it's a part. It's a part of the game too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyways, Amani Oruwariye comes up with his second interception in as many weeks. But then the Lions go three and out, punt it away. They go into half down, fourteen to nothing. And the disappointing part really for me was TJ Hawkinson, one reception for seven yards, DeAndre Swift, one reception for five yards, 12 yards rushing. Like those are your, your, your stalwarts, your horses that you have to ride. And they're under 10 yards in the first half. That's just disappointing. And when you go into a place like soldier field and come out with zero points, like what does that feel like in the locker room there? Well, I, I would tell you that, you know, the, the offensive coordinator, the receiver coach and the quarterback coach, however their structure is, are going to definitely go in in the halftime and try to make an adjustment to see how they can get those guys involved. I mean, you know, those are very low numbers for a half, you know, but it happens. You know, sometimes you might have a guy that will be shut out in the first half and then the next half they made adjustment and it explodes. I think one of the greatest things with any of the coaching opportunities that's being given today is that they have that instant replay so that they can look at it right there on the sideline and make quicker adjustments than before when during my day we had to wait on a pitcher to come out the machine. Now we would get it, but it wasn't so so quick. So I think that they can make adjustments a lot quicker too, not even just waiting on the halftime. Mm -hmm. And then when you come out of that tunnel at halftime, like you said, Soldier Field, it's hostile. They're throwing things at you. Like, it, it, is there an atmosphere there? Like, is it kind of like, describe that to me. Come, like, when you come out flat at half and then you're going into this big second half. Well, you know, typically if a team goes in flat, they, they know that they're flat. Mm -hmm. And you can tell in the body language as they're coming off the field. You know, but someone in that locker room has to be able to galvanize or focus and also re-energize the team to, to allow them to go back out as if it's zero-zero. 
and go out there and, and hit them with the best punch. And the third quarter at the beginning, the very first series is a very important series. So you have to forget what happened in the first half, make the adjustment, and then come back out anew and go out there and just punch them in the mouth. And that's from a defensive standpoint. And offense, you punch them in the mouth, but the one thing that you want to do on that first drive is put points on if it's three or seven. When you come out, if you can do that, that's shifting the momentum. Uh, and that would make explain a lot for they, – they did make up for it later in the half, but Lions go three and out, and then the Bears get the ball back. It's a bomb down the sideline to Darnell Mooney. Damian Williams punches it in like – that that's got to be deflating. Well, you know, big plays are always going to be something that you're trying not to give up. I mean, um, mm-hmm. if you look at a lot of games that are won, they're really won on big games. I mean, big plays when in the past, but in the same thing, if you have a defense that eliminates big plays, they're typically on the winning team. Now, I will tell you that, you know, I had seen that Aaron had made some comments about giving up the big play, eliminating that, and also eliminating the little leaky runs. And I agree with him on that. You know, and what a leaky run is, is like when a guy makes the initial contact on the tackle, but he's getting three, four yards after the contact. Mm. You know, you, you got to, you know, make contact, hold him there, and then don't give up anymore. Don't let him fall forward, so to speak. You know, so in those two things, I think that in that third quarter, when you're coming out as a defensive coordinator, you want to stymie the run, and you want to make sure that you guys are getting after it. And offense, again, scoring points is important. It, it, it just helps. The, those leaky runs do make a lot of sense. And unfortunately that with David Montgomery, he's, he's a fridge. He is just so hard to tackle. He had quite a few of those, but, and and back to like the, the bomb down the sideline, like it, we've got Bobby price out at left cornerback. Like he's the third string cornerback, like Jeff Akuda goes down and then Fadu Melifonwu, he goes down. So now we're at CB three. So it's not his fault. Like two years ago, he was playing at Norfolk state. I don't even, I have no idea where that is. So, like it, HBCU man, it, it, down in Virginia. Oh, thank you, thank you. Green and gold. <laughs> I'm glad you know, because yeah, I am not uh, the smaller schools. I I struggle with locating on. I understand. Sometimes. I understand. Appreciate that, but yeah. So like, it's not his fault. Like, it's a big gap, a big jump, and right. so do you stick with a guy like that where he's your younger? let him take his lumps or do you kind of look to replace him with the, the solid veteran like Daryl Worley, who they signed off the practice squad? How, how does that situation break down? Well, Aaron, I believe is going to play the best player. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Sometimes, you know, the politics even show up at the professional level, whereas, you know, the politics, but I believe that playing the best player is really what is needed. Now, this is how we look at the NFL as a whole. It doesn't matter what school you came from. You're here to do a job, all right? Now, can he do the job? Clearly, he can do the job because mm-hmm. he's back. They didn't had a training camp. They even had, Like you said, this is his second year. They got enough film to know. So there's some potential there. 
All right. Now, taking a lump, I don't care who you are, Hall of Famers, everyone has to take their lumps. Mm -hmm. You know, so so sheltering him isn't going to get him ready to be your mainstay player if that's your future, you know? So if he's a guy for the future, then you keep him on the field. I'm glad you. that's what you think, because that's where I was coming from it, too. Like, he's 6'3", he runs a 4'4", like, all the athleticism in the world, and he has made plays. Like, yeah, he had a tough game, but the Bears, like, their receivers are good. Allen Robinson is, a, yeah. like, a consistent Pro Bowl-level guy. Darnell Mooney is just a, a pure speedster, so you can't be upset about that. And that's kind of when the Lions offense finally starts clicking. They get a big drive going. And the the thing that really impressed me was they cap it off with stealing from the Green Bay Packers. Devontae Adams, he loves that little route where comes in on the sideline, motions in, and then right at the snap, runs back out to the flat. Khalif Raymond scores a touchdown on that. So I love it. It's a copycat league, truly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that play itself is one that I've seen on every team that I've been on. You know, that running to the flat is normally one because the angle of the defender and where the marker is, he can't get there, you know, and it's a timing route. So he got to get it to him early where he's the defender is in that chase position because the closer he gets to the sideline, the more, the less ground he has to actually catch it and get a feel. So it's a timing thing and it's a leverage point. So that play is used just, it's, it's like a natural pick, mm. you know, just on leverage and angle. Yeah. And, and it worked to get the first points of the game, Khalif Raymond. And he, and he wasn't done either. He had a really good second half. So they end up like the next drive they have, couple of big bombs down the field. So they start off with Amon Ross St. Brown. He catches like a 20-yarder. And then we get uh, Khalif Raymond. He goes for like 24 yards, just up straight vertical at the slot, touchdown. Like, it's nice to see these younger receivers finally start to, to come together because that's something that this offense really seems like it's been missing. Yeah, well, I, I think, again, as they continue to get acquainted with each other as players, you're going to find them having those successes. And then at the same time, as they become even more comfortable with the quarterback in game situations, they're learning how he responds in the game, just like which is different than how he might respond in practice, under pressure and not under pressure. So I think it's some growing pains that has to be expected. I mean, it's a new staff, new team, new group, but at the same time, they are pros. So you're expecting excellence at every level, regardless of the fact that they're new. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that, you know, we got to kind of keep in a balance in our mind. Yeah, first year system, you know, might take a little time to get going, especially the first four games. I mean, the mm -hmm. first four. Matter of fact, the first four games, you're actually new learning for the rest of the league because they don't didn't know how Dan would coach his team. They didn't know what his strategy would be until they started playing games and could get film. So in that, you know, it's learning on both sides, how teams are going to play what they see, you know, but how they actually prepare themselves as well as they get better and learn each player from a personnel standpoint 
what their talent can bring forward for the scheme. Very interesting. Very, I, I, I really appreciate all the deep thoughts and like the, all the little insights we get here. Cause that it does make a lot of sense. And like another added layer to that too, is they lost a preseason game on top of what they usually would. And the lines really didn't play their first team offense in the preseason as well. So it's like kind of just like this, it's brewing, it's boiling. And they're really just kind of trying to figure out what's what and who's who. And so hopefully we can start to see things click in week five against the Vikings. But I had a lot of fans kind of complain to me after this one. So uh, th they end up going, they're down 20, 24 to 21, or sorry, they're down 24 to 14. They're down 10 points and they go for it on fourth and two. Jared Goff overthrows a Monroe St. Brown and that's the game. And so a lot of Lions fans think you kick the field goal there. You go down by seven instead. My thought process is if you kick the field goal, and the Bears kick a field goal, you're back down 10, and you still need a touchdown at some point. So should you go for the touchdown there because you know you need a touchdown even if you're going to tie, or should you take the points when you can? Well, again, in, in a lot of the statistical aspects of the game, the analysis would say you take the points, right? Now, if I'm coaching my team – I'm also paying attention to how well my defense is playing at the time because for me to kick it and to not allow them to score would actually give me an advantage because now I can put myself in a better position to win and win the game. Now, if my defense is lagging, okay, there's a couple things that I'm going to do. I'm going to try to shrink this time if the time can be managed that way or I'm going to try to make sure that if we have to give the ball over, that we're going to give it on their side where the defense don't have to labor on a short field. So it's a couple ways of looking at it. and But the chances favor the prepared. If he was prepared to, you know, get it done, he took his shot. You know, they didn't, you know, didn't connect, so it didn't work. But if it connects again, momentum shift. You know, but as a coach, I would say, Dan, you know, he got some guts, especially when he's trying to pull his first win out. And in some cases, you know, you want someone that won't flinch, you know, mm -hmm. that that's one thing we can say about Dan Campbell. The man won't flinch. Hey, listen, I would rather a guy that won't flinch than have a guy that a flinch on things that like, hey, come on, let's punch him in the mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, but that also builds a trust, you know, like if if golf hit the hit that that's going to give the offense, the team, the head coach more confidence to put it in his hands. If the running back would have gotten same thing would have gave the offensive line more confidence so we can put it in their hand to control and win the game. Yeah, the. And again, like you, the, you, you've laid so much down on the table and he has to make that decision like that. Like it is a, yeah, so much coming at you all at once. And just, you have to make a decision on the spot. So uh, yeah, either way, I, I, I like the decision. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out and the lines are now 0 and 4. How do we feel going 0 and 4 after, over the four, first four games? And are we excited for this weekend coming up? Actually, I was hoping the lines at after the first four would be two and two, mm -hmm. right? 
At worst, I thought they would be, you know, one and three, but not 0 oh and 4. Okay. Now, because they 0 oh and 4, that's not the season, you know, and the best approach for all teams is always to approach it one game at a time and leave what's behind you behind you. Because if they can roll off eight in a row, now they're eight and four, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's still early. And again, the teams that today don't look like they have continuity by November and December, the continuity in all those teams that were average or below average are going to be good teams. And it's going to be that time that we'll really be able to see how Dan was able to adjust the team and find the personnel to see how he builds the efficiencies in his offense, the explosiveness in offense, and how Aaron can actually put together a defense that can stymie an Aaron Rodgers because you're going to have to stop him to, you know, in that conference, you know. But in all of it, I think, you know, when you're looking at the lines going forward, you know, again, everybody's pros. You know, they can shake some of the things that they think they have to carry of the past and and really be their own team. Every year a team comes together, they have to reestablish who they are, even if they're a championship team. So the lines of the past or whatever, man, I'm sure Dan has gotten that idea out. So now it's about reestablishing who they are as a football team going forward. And I think that's one of the things that I've come away, even though they're 0-4, one of the things I've come away impressed with is they've competed in every game. They flashed in every game. They've shown signs that, hey, like if one or two plays go th- go a, a different way, it's a completely different ball game, and the Lions could potentially be 4-0 at this point if just one or two things shift, especially that lot, that Baltimore Ravens game. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> if as as you said game of inches this much of an inch yeah. changes they're one and three now but it, it's just it's part of life in the nfl and so before we move on from this game one last question so we talked about this on the phone a couple days ago jay and jay go together like pb and j jack and jerry go to better go together like peanut butter and jelly so We've got the J&J, PB&J play of the day. What are we going with here from this weekend against the Chicago Bears? Well, I think the bomb that he hit along the sideline is going to be the play of the day for me. What about yourself? I think it's got to be that Khalif Raymond seam route, that touchdown, just that 24 yarder. Just He looked really fast and just burned him. And that's the explosiveness I want to see going forward. So, yeah, I got to give it to Goff on that beautiful bomb to Khalif Raymond. Well, we got Goff in both plays, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's nice to see those flashes from Goff, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's necessary. I mean, that's the quarterback. A lot of it's going to come through him. Mm -hmm. And he's always like a lot of his reputation is he's going to take the the safe plays, the easy plays and stuff like that. No, he he's fitting it into some tight windows there. And yeah, so nice to see. It's always good to come away when your quarterback makes the top play of the week. So coming out of this game, unfortunate news, Romeo Aquara just signed that big contract in the offseason, 12 million a year. He's down with a torn Achilles. He'll be done for the year. 
unfortunate yeah. for him. And unfortunately, Trey Flowers, he's been battling shoulder slash knee injuries all kind of season as well. He's missed the last two games. And Lions only get one sack and three hits on Justin Fields last week after Aquara goes down. The Browns sacked him nine times and hit him another four on top of that. So is it just a matter of you've you've you're down your top two defensive linemen and you just have to next man up and adjust, or do you have to start scheming things a little bit different to generate pressure and now going forward? Well, uh, you know, the Browns defensive line, I think is a little ahead of the Lions defensive line right now. <laughs> Miles Garrett is that, just that, that that that's that's one one thing, you know, talent wise and those guys are playing together well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're just a little bit ahead of it. Um, I, I think really they have to find their way just like with anything else, you know, and, and, and I tell this to teams when I speak to high school, college teams, mostly, you know, that, Hey, the defensive line establishes whether or not a team is tough. Typically, if that defensive line is tough, that offensive line is going to be tough and they're going to play tough. Because when you're practicing against a level of intensity and you're practicing against guys that have some skill sets that are going to be challenging for most people that would line up in front of them, it makes you better. You know, and I think the Detroit line defensive line is going to have to really carry the torch, especially with the offensive line being hampered right now, the way that they are. They're going to have to establish the toughness and really carry it. You know, keep putting put the quarterback in good positions by, you know, again, sacking the quarterback, pushing them back. It gives Jared a, a shorter field to work on, and it really puts them in the best position to score points. Mm-hmm. And and they did flash that against the Ravens quite a bit, too. So it's something they're definitely capable of. And it's a new week. It's a new week and it's a new time. You got Charles Harris stepping up big. He's been pretty impressive after being bounced around the league. First round pick by the Dolphins and then no one wanted him. Ends up in Detroit. Now he's starting, performing pretty well. You've got Austin Bryant and the little Aquara Julian. So it's not like they've got nobody's on this defensive line. It's a talented group. No, it is a talented group. But again, you have to develop continuity. Mm-hmm. You like when you're running your games and stuff. You know, if you got one guy on the inside that might be slow off the ball and the guy that he's running the game with, he runs, say, a 4-4-4-5 and got a great start, he may be too far upfield to actually do the cross. Mm -hmm. So you might have to slow him down and make adjustments. So it's all of those things in the game that you have to really take an account to, hey, we we can't run that blitz because – you know, we can't, he can't cover a back, you know, and it literally might be that, that in a certain rotation of the motion, if the guy motions across, then that outside guy might have to carry that back. And they know that this guy running the five, two, four, five, three, forty can't cover Marsha Falk. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> You know, so so it's all of those adjustments have to be figured out because remember, you're matching the scheme with the personnel. Mm-hmm. And some of these guys, when they're not 
acquainted with each other's ability, you find out a guy can do certain things in his play. You don't find it out walking around in your T-shirt. So they got to play the game to kind of figure out what they're going to be good at and how they can work in tandem together. And and, and that's very exciting to hear because these are young guys who haven't spent a lot of time together. Continuity, getting those reps, playing those snaps – in practice and in game, it's only going to make things better. And now for the offensive line, like you talked about, it's pretty hampered right now too. Frank Ragnow, he's placed on IR with a turf toe injury. I'm not sure if you've ever dealt with turf toe. My dad had it and he was in a lot of pain. So I can only imagine how it affects a professional athlete. Hey, listen, I got turf toe right now. You live with it. It never really goes away. I can tell you that. I would have to put a steel plate in my shoe, and then I would have to have the toe actually tape, my big toe. Mm. And and it's one of those things like, you know, not being on turf since I've retired, that definitely helps because, you know, when you're playing on the turf, you know, it's not as flexible as the grass and giving and dirt, things like that. But it's, it's, it's a part of it. <laughs> Yeah, and so it sounds like he's going to – Dan Campbell is quoted saying, we think he's going to be down for a long time, which is very unfortunate. Evan Brown's going to step up in his place. He's never started a game in his career, uh, so big big opportunity for him. And unfortunately, Taylor Decker is still out as well. And so one question I have for you is, when you are on the opposing team, so say you're on the Vikings – you know you're going to be facing a new starter on the offensive line or a couple new starters. What are you looking for early in that game to kind of test them and see see what, where they're at? Well, I, I would tell you, you know, you definitely want to find out if that guy can hold his water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, on an offensive line like that, if we recognize that a key guy to their offense is actually going to be out of the game. We want to also now study who's going to replace him. Do we have any film on him? Is he stronger? Is he faster? Do they do different things? Statistically, are they the same offense when that guy is at left tackle than if he's on the field and he's playing right guard? You know, a lot of that, you know, again, personality, I mean, personnel and scheme dictates what you can do you know now if you get a guy that might be undersized and he's put into a challenging position where now he has to go down and he has to go deal with me or Vince Woolfolk and he's 265 okay now I might have to take the offensive guard and say hey we need you to help him you know so instead of him checking to the linebacker out he might have to check inside to make sure that the guy isn't getting ran over. You know, so in all those adjustments, now we're forcing them to do some things that they don't want to do, okay, which should play to our advantage if we're smart, you know. So it does bring some challenge, but for any defense, you know, you're really licking your chops. Now, I will tell you that (laughs) I remember, and this wasn't so much an offensive lineman, but when we would play, when the Lions would play the Vikings mm-hmm. and they had Wade Wilson at quarterback and they had Rich Gannon as the backup, 
we did not want to knock Wade Wilson out of the game. <laughs> because once we knock Wade Wilson off, now it's a track meet. You know, Rich Gannon and Steve Young ran the Cunninghams. Those were our day Michael Vicks, right? Mm. So we automatically like, hey, don't knock him out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if a guy is a tackling, <laughs> you know. If, if he goes down, we're going to be running wind sprints trying to catch him the entire day. <laughs> the, the game changed. The ability of what they do changed because he's not going to be sitting inside of the pocket. Rich Gannon is scrambling him. He'll break out of that, and he'll make plays in open field. So now you got a whole different scheme. You actually have the same scheme but with different ability because the quarterback now can stretch a play, whereas Wade Wilson, as long as you kept him right there inside, you can get him. Yeah, and that's just more adapting on the fly that you have to do in in yeah. game. But like you keep saying, the one who studies the most is the most prepared heading into the week. You're yeah. ready for all that stuff, and that's what's going to lead to the victories. So now we get to this game coming up this weekend, Lions at the Minnesota Vikings. And I've got to ask, are there any conflicting feelings here for you? Because I know you started your career with the Lions, but you also spent some time with the Minnesota Vikings, including that magical 98 team. So I'm sure you have some special memories there too. How do you feel yeah. about this one? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I will tell you that I was actually online with John Randall last night. And, um, you know, we were talking and we talked about doing a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm rooting for the Lions. It does have, you know, a sentimental, you know, place in my heart always. You know, and even on that 15 and one team, I was also captain of that team. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, so, um, but, you know, again, the one thing I'll tell you, I know who's going to win. You know who's going to win? Who's that, Jerry? A team I played for. <laughs> <laughs> There's no losing. There is no losing here this weekend. That That's the perfect answer. That is the perfect answer. I love it. Well, of course I'm rooting for the Lions. Like I said, I'm a Lion, you know, and I and really want the Lions to turn the corner. Absolutely. But they're going to be challenged this week. That's for sure. Yeah, they are going to be challenged this week. So Evan Brown, he making his first career start. Matt Nelson, the right tackle. He's still only six starts in his career. And then Panay Suell, he's still making his fifth start as a rookie. He gave up two sacks last week. Nelson gave up six pressures last week. And Danielle, Danielle Hunter, he's tied for third in the NFL in pressures right now. Everson Griffin on the opposite side of him. He's no slouch either. But like, that's going to be a challenge for this young, banged-up O-line. But also, is it an opportunity for them to really prove their, their medal in this one? Yes, it is. I, I think that every week is an opportunity. Now, when you have a game like these gentlemen just had and stuff, you want to come back and reestablish yourself every week. I mean, whether or not you have a great game or you had a, have an average or even have a subpar game, every week you have to refocus yourself and come back and meet the next challenge. You know, in the NFL, they tell you that memory is short, you know, from play to play. A guy score a touchdown on you, hey, forget that, go to the next play. You make a touchdown. Forget that, go to the next play. And I think that because of some of the things that these guys experience and, and some of the things that happen, they study film 
and then they get themselves ready to play because the next challenge is going to be a challenge, and but it may be different. So you study your man, you study the scheme, you see where your holes were, you see where you can be improved, and you stay after practice and get extra work if that's what you need. You know, so there are ways that you improve. And I think, again, being in a hostile territory where you're, you're sound and being an offensive lineman, you can be slow off the snap, whereas the defensive guy's moving off the ball and you're moving off a of sound because you're looking out at him versus looking in at the ball. The defensive lineman is actually looking in at the ball. So he sees the ball move before the offensive lineman. So all of those things and giving yourself the best chance, whereas you might back up a, a six inches because that half a foot is that little second that you need to recover, you know. But anyway, they got some challenges, but they're going to have to, you know, answer the bell. <laughs> You've got to answer the bell every week. There, there are no weeks off. Not even yeah. There's, there's no week off ever in the NFL. It just doesn't happen, and except for the bye week but that's a little bit different. One, another thing with the Vikings, they were averaging over 400 yards a game before this week four matchup against Cleveland. Is that a fluke or is there something that the Cleveland Browns did that the lions can steal, keep these Vikings down? Well, I tell you this, you know, the Minnesota Vikings has an explosive offense. I mean, they got a they good sure offense. Do. And and they're going to have to play some of their best defense because the thing about a team like Minnesota is that they do it in a way where it's consistent every quarter. You know, they're going to make plays every quarter. It's not streaky in halves and stuff. That's the thing that I've seen with them. They make plays, they make big plays, and they rally around their offense together. If you look at how those guys interact in the huddle from the linemen to the receivers, they're always encouraging others whether or not it's a good play or a bad play. So you can see their energy. So the lines are going to definitely have to match that energy. Yeah, that's a very good point. Like they're, they look like they're best friends over on the Vikings. Like they're going out to dinner after the game and stuff. Like they look very close. So that kind of energy keeping up with that. Maybe it's less about keeping Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson in, in check and more about matching them in their energy and making sure they don't get under their skin, things of that nature. Like when you're Amani or Awarie facing off against Justin Jefferson this far away from each other, you got to, the energy level has to be high. You've got to be pumped up. So that, yeah. And hopefully the wide receivers can keep the momentum going this week as well. Amon Ross St. Brown had a good game. Khalif Raymond and Quintez Cephas, they all went over 50 yards. So they are not, they are not the household name that an Adam Thielen is a Justin Jefferson yet, but they have some explosive potential too. So is there any chance that the lions go tit for tat with this Vikings offense and they're able to score, keep the the ball moving well i i think again any week in the nfl you could take the worst team you think and they can beat the best team mm -hmm. sometimes it's about how personnel matches up sometimes it's how the play calls came about you know so there's a lot of factors in how to get a win I think with the Lions and, and the Vikings, I think the defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, is going to have to be able to trump their offensive coordinator in strategy 
but the players are going to always have to execute it. You know, so if they can be come in with the right confidence and execute and then Aaron put them in the right situations. And in some cases, you know, when you got an offense that can, you know, on average put 400 yards, you know, in the statistical column or score on an average 21 points, typically they're going to win. So if uh, a good day for Aaron, if he can keep them at 14 and keep them under three, 300 yards total offense. That will give the Lions an opportunity to win. And now, if and, and let me say this, and if the Lions can dominate the clock, whereas the offense controls the clock, they have to score, but they need to control the clock because the best defense is actually offense. As long as that offense has the ball, their offense can't score. You know? And that's one of the key things that, you know, the Belichicks and all the rest, they play that clock game just as much as they play that score. And that's going to be a really interesting one. Like you talked about Aaron Glenn being able to hold them down. That becomes a little bit easier when Dalvin Cook's less than 100%. He's dealing with a high ankle sprain. He's playing through it, which is very impressive, but he just doesn't look fully healthy. And so that aids in that. And then on the opposite of what you said for controlling the clock, DeAndre Swift has to be a big part of that, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, again, I mean, you have to have that guy involved because – and really, when Swift is involved, it's going to open it up for the other players. And really, the guys that are not the key guys are going to be the ones that have to carry the day. When you really understand that Swift being the focus – if he gets his rhythm early, it just makes it that much easier for the other players to do what they need to do. And it's going to loosen it up, whereas in the box, they can run the ball, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that kind of has become the Lions' calling card, is being able to run people over in the run game, get Jamal Williams mixed in a little bit there as well. He's ru- He's running extremely well, so it's going to be a lot of fun to see how these two running backs pay, like battle it out unfortunately dalvin cook not at full health but it makes the lion's life a little bit easier yeah yeah i agree with that and so the final thing i'm kind of watching is this quarterback battle jared goff versus kirk cousins they're very similar in the fact that they don't make a ton of mistakes they are very accurate so what what are we looking for Cousins, until last week, he had been on an MVP Matt Ryan level pace. Jared Goff, he's had kind of ups and downs. He's been less steady, like you referenced earlier. So what do we need to see from both of these guys on Sunday? Excuse me. I think, you know, with both guys, both quarterbacks needs to be able to command their huddle. Now, why I say command the huddle is because the ones that can get their play, their teammates in and out of the huddle with the clearest, concise way of how they're going to approach it and establish the tempo. A lot of times what people really don't, or fans don't really understand is tempo matters too. How fast the quarterback is getting in and out of the huddle also affects how quick the defense has to make their sight adjustments. Now, site adjustments is looking at personnel, you know. Now, if if both of those quarterbacks are being field generals and and moving the plays quick, quicker, that means the defensive coordinators are going to have to be making their adjustments and decisions quicker as well. 
especially as personnel has changed. So I think between those those two generals of those teams, whoever manages their team the best is going to give their team the best chance of winning. Then when it comes just to the defense, again, the Detroit Lions defense is going to have to answer the bell in a way as if they were playing Aaron Rodgers. And the reason why I say that, and, and, and you know, and even going back to one of the things that the Baltimore game, as an example, Baltimore is a good team. Mm-hmm. Okay. So even though they lost, they played a very good team, right? Now, hold them under 20. That, yeah. But in that, they also were on national TV, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that has to be important to the players is that even when you're not on national TV, that you keep your intensity at the level like you know everybody's watching in God. Because in a lot of times, players on Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, they get up for it. Okay, but that's the guy that, you know, you might not be able to count on in some scenarios. But if their team can play at the same intensity like they played with Baltimore, they're going to always give themselves a chance to win. And I think that's a great note to kind of wrap this preview section of it up. We went through a lot heading into this matchup. So now we get to have a little bit of fun. And we talked about uh, kind of a player of the game. I came up with the idea, Jerry's baller of the weekend. You said that it's going to be the second and third, third tier options on offense and defense, the non-stars that have to step up. Who do you think needs to step up most in this one? I really think the line secondary. Yeah. The line secondary, you know, if they can, you know, give what's called cover sacks is going to help the defensive line, you know, and sometimes, you know, it might not be man to man as much as how he used those man zones and those presses is going to dictate a little bit of what he can do up front. But I think the real challenge is, you know, D line's going to dictate. But the cornerbacks and the secondary, I think, is going to have the biggest challenge because Minnesota's offense. That's a very good point. Like you said, the defensive line will dictate it. But even then, your quarterback can get the ball off quicker than the defensive line can rush sometimes. The corners have to hold up in that situation. They can't be letting those easy completions, and they can't be letting those deep plays too. So it's going to be a war out there. Justin Jefferson, Amani Oruwarie, Aaron Parker, Adam Thielen. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what happens this weekend. So final question. Vikings have opened as seven and a half point favorites. What is our prediction for this one? Well, first of all, let's clap for that. There's very few times the lines are going to be seven. (laughs) You know, um, Again, I, I hope that it can be, I say Lions, you know, 24, Vikings 17. Very Two nice. touchdowns and a field goal. Very nice. See, I had it close as well. 
I've or like a close score to what you had. I've got it with 23 for the Lions, and I've got it at 17 for the Vikings. So just that one point difference for the Lions score. But either way, I think holding them under 20 is what needs to happen for these Lions to get a victory. Yep, yep, that's necessary. And statistically, it puts it in in the range where normally you win. Very exciting. Well, I can't wait to see how this turns out. And before we get out of here, do you have any pluggables that you want to plug in? You've got so much going on in the real world outside of Believe in Lions. So give you a chance to run through all that real quick. Oh, well, hey, you know, we got a a YouTube channel that we're launching, you know, it's called Jerry Ball Real Talk. And then uh, we also have uh, a, a nonprofit that we're actually expanding and and introducing as well you know we'll be providing some more information before the season is out you know we'll have ways for people to get involved and you know stay abreast perfect we'll make sure you well we will make sure we keep plugging that as it develops keep getting all your information passed on to all the people listening to this podcast so once again thank you all for joining us here tonight we will see you next week And so I think it's time to break it down, Jerry. What do you say? Hey, one, two, three. We believe. I I missed up there. One more time. One more time. One, two, three. We We believe. believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.